0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the One Hundred and Ninety Five Stamps Podcast, the travel podcast that you deserve. I normally like to start this off with a story, but I still haven't really been doing shit. You know, just just kicking it. You know, I, you know, I'm vaxxed up, but still, I haven't fully jumped off the porch. I got like a foot off the porch. And I know some of y'all never came back on that motherfucker. Like even prior, like y'all never was on there just out and that's you know do you but for me I was chilling and because I was chilling and now that I can have a bit more leeway right with how I step out out here and and it' was a little bit more flexible because everybody that I usually kick it with everybody that I decided was going to be in my bubble when this thing first started they all had their shots and so we are in effect, good to an extent, right? You don't want to just be out here living like nothing's going on, but responsible. And in being responsible for so long, socially distancing, staying at home, not going out, limiting your, your interactions, it does something to you psychologically a bit where when it's time or when you feel like, okay, I can get back out here, A little bit hesitant, a little bit hesitant. I'm sure that'll go away, you know, as things start to open back up more. But for now, still a little hesitant to get back out here. I went to to brunch with some people a few weeks ago, and that was cool. I enjoyed that. A bit of an outdoor type of setting, but, you know, it was fine. It was fine. Now, I say that to say I'm dipping the toe out there because I'm fully off the porch next month in Mexico going to a wedding good friend from college finally tying the knot good for him I'll be in attendance this is going to be my first trip and surprise surprise like I said Mexico somewhere that has literally never closed because of a few reasons they couldn't right so normally what I like to do before a trip and again this is not the place you come for uh ten tips on how to most effectively plan your trip to wine country but I'm gonna give you one right here. This is this is this is free. Free game. It's not even really all that like intriguing. And that you know that's something that I really don't like. When you follow these influencers, not that I consider myself an influencer, but when you follow these influencers, whether it be travel, beauty, you know, lifestyle, whatever and they'll create a reel just to get some content out there. It'll be like you know ten hacks for creating a better outfit, and it'll be like repurpose the shirt, and then they'll have a reel wearing the shirt, and they'll tie the shirt around their waist you you do you don't think I realize I could tie the shirt around my damn waist or wear it like a regular shirt. I come to you to influence give me other tips on how I can wear the flannel shirt. It don't always have to be around the waist draped over the shoulder like Carlton what's what's another look I can give because that's why I come here but I digress that was another tangent for for another day so with Mexico one of the things I like to do is enter in just hashtags or locations and scroll through the uh, top places and just see where people are cool little beach hotel maybe Something that isn't as popular as, you know, the sign, <laughs> that little sign that everybody takes a picture in front of, or that buggy, or, and by buggy, I mean the Volkswagen bug in front of Azulique, places like that. You know, those are cool, but, you know, something a bit more off the beaten path. And as I was doing this a couple of weeks ago, I came across a popular travel blog, not really a blogger, but influencer. And he reposted somebody who was in the middle of a shootout in Tulum. Now, the shootout in Tulum is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because I've been reading in the weeks prior that there was a little bit of an uptick in violence in Tulum over the past few years. Mostly due to cartels being in, in drug wars with each other. Right. So they're shooting back and forth. Sometimes civilians get hit in the crossfire. Sometimes they're, you know, doing things that, are uh, carrying out terroristic acts basically. And in this post, there was a very popular Tulum photographer, an expat, a woman that is from the, uh, us DMV area who obviously relocated down to Mexico and was in the middle of this and was talking about what happened and gave a brief kind of overview of, of why these things are, are are occurring in Mexico. And I reached out and was able to have her on the podcast. And that's who you are going to listen to me talk to a bit later in this episode. So what we did is we talked about what's going on in Mexico, um, some of the areas to avoid, some of the areas where you would want to stay, why this violence is happening now, about how long you can think that it'll be be going on. Um and one of the things that I found interesting is this cartel violence in the city of Tulum. It's something that as as a, as I a stated earlier, it's been happening for the past couple of years. Now, if anybody remembers the city of Acapulco. So that is more so on the Cabo side. And that was like old Hollywood money, right? So Acapulco was popping like Elizabeth Taylor, John Wayne. They would go down there and kick it. It was like their Tulum, their Cancun, that that in that frame. Right? And one of the things that happened was the drug trade got so bad that it wasn't safe for America like people just stopped going because it was awful. I I read something that said they had 38,000 murders in one year. Like that that shit is crazy. And it begs the question like how did how did they get this way? What happened? Because you know, sitting there and saying, "Oh, cartels cartel bad." Don't go to Tulum. That doesn't really teach us much. Now, obviously, there are some areas that you would want to avoid, and that's one of the things that I get into with Madeline a bit later. But something that I always wanted to know, because we we romanticize, and by we, I mean the U.S., we romanticize gangsters. We romanticize crime to an extent and in the rearview mirror. Obviously, at the time it's happening, it's bad. People are losing their lives. We understand that. I mean, we do it with the the Italian mafia. Uh, we do it with organized crime here in the U.S. I mean, there's a reason shows like The Wire are so popular. There's a reason shows like The Sopranos are so popular. Narcos, which is a bit more in line with what we're talking about, so popular. And one People are generally how they always talk about, you know, we want to be some of the things that, that, that we can't. That's something that I feel like a lot of people deep down, while you might not want to be a Mexican cartel member or a member of the Irish or Italian mob, it's always something that intrigues you. There's something about that gangster life that, that draws all of us in. And one of the things particularly about Mexican drug life is it draws us in because it's all so real and it's all so current because when you talk about the Sopranos, it it almost cartoons it, right? It's the, the they're these cartoonish figures. When you talk about a lot of the, the Irish gangs, right? You talk about gangs in New York or uh, you talk about the Godfather and, and, and there are these larger than life characters, That almost seem too, too, too fake to have ever existed, but they were real. And we look at it as, as a figment of the past, something that happened in the nineties and the forties and whatever. But with a lot of these Mexican gangs is present and, and I would be remiss if we also didn't hit on the elephant in the room, which is racism. Because if there is one thing we love to do here in the good old U.S. of A. It is sensationalize and over criminalize uh, people of color. Now, I'm not saying that we need to cut the cartels any slack, but if you have any measure of intelligence, I think you can see where I'm going with that. Right. Like a lot of times with uh, is <laughs> we don't even have to <laughs> look back much further than our our one gen one uh, really president removed from a lot of that MS 13 rhetoric and caravans coming here to do whatever. Right. So we, we do that a lot with our Mexican friends with reckless abandon. And one thing that is, is interesting is when you look at how the cartels kind of came to, came to power and you know, it's funny there, there, there was really only one cartel back in the eighties because back in the eighties, Mexico, it's still a regular country. There are some, you know, extraordinary things about it, but it's a regular country, but the, the, the drug trade trafficking back in the, in, in the seventies, it wasn't the, the cartels weren't what they were now. You know, there was one kind of cartel that came um, into existence. And actually it was started by a former police officer. This guy named uh, Miguel Angel. I th- why do you say Angel? Is it Anwell? Anwell Felix Gallardo. So aside from having too many names that are hard to pronounce for a gringo like myself, he was basically the head of this, this Guadalajara cartel, which was the first cartel really in Mexico. And so Mexico and the United States has always been, uh, they've we've always had an interesting trade relationship, right? Like they would uh, send alcohol and stuff like that over over the border back uh, during Prohibition, and then fast forward, um, a little bit of harder stuff, drugs. But back then, it was mostly a lot of marijuana, back in the day. And one of the things about this this cartel was it was mostly a a grouping of some of the other cartels in Mexico. Um, One of the oldest was actually the Gulf cartel. And so when you look at that and you say, all right, we have all these cartels, mostly, you know, marijuana, a little bit of cocaine back then. um, It wasn't as heavy cocaine back in the day. That shit came later. And then, you know, enter Netflix, right? So everybody has heard of the Netflix series Narcos. And if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. I don't know what to tell you first season basically chronicles Pablo Escobar and they go into some of the other, uh, they go to the Car- Cali cartel, they go to the Mexican cartel. So they, they, they cover, and it's pretty historically accurate as far as an overarching timeline. Now, some of the details, obviously, you know, dramatized for Hollywood, but as, as a timeline and as a theme, it, it hits on a lot of the points and, you know, you have this Mexican cartel and then enter Narcos and you have the, uh, Medellin cartel. And you have the Car- Cali cartel. Now those cartels, they, they were responsible for the manufacturing of the drugs. So the cocaine, heroin, shit like that. Sends it over the border to Mexico. Mexico handles that distribution into the United States. And so this is going on for a while. And obviously we know that Pablo Escobar had the Medellin cartel had his run ins. He was taken down from there. The Cali cartel took over they were distributing all of this uh, cocaine around the world. At one point they said it was 80% of the world's Coke came from this cartel. Like that's crazy. That's that's market share. 80%. Damn, that's, that's a lot. Now it's, it's, you know, nefarious purposes, but that's a lot. And so, you know, these cartels are doing their thing. And, once the Cali cartel starts to starts to decline and those Colombian cartels are, are, are on the downturn, that's when the Mexican cartels come up. Right. And so they start taking over that cocaine distribution, cocaine, marijuana, the methamphetamines, all that stuff. Say so they, they're supplying like 90% of the world's drugs from one region, 90% of the world's drugs, which is crazy, crazy. And, and, and when you talk about that type of, of dominance, we obviously know that this isn't achievable without them getting into the, the pockets of some people in politics. We know that right. And shit, even here, because you even here, because you can't talk about the Mexican cartels. You can't talk about the Colombian cartels without talking about the war on drugs. And you can't talk about the war on drugs. are talking about our boy Reagan. And, and and the the Iran Contra. And if you don't know what the Iran Contra is um, quick and dirty version, it was basically a circle jerk. If you don't know what a circle jerk is, Google that. Make sure you don't do it on your work computer. But go ahead and look that up. It was a circle jerk between the U.S., Iran and Nicaragua. Um, basically, the U.S. sold some um, weapons to Iran Iran was actually in a war with Iraq at the time. The U S took that money. They gave it to rebels, uh, down in, in Nicaragua to fund their, I guess you can call it a revolution depending on which side you were, you were on, but no, look it up. Look it up. It's really interesting. There was a movie a few years ago. And by a few, I mean, maybe five, seven, somewhere in that time range called kill the messenger. Um, Jeremy Renner, really good, really good movie, like suspenseful, as you can see, good stuff, but check that out. Check that out. But anyway, so you talk about that and it's all connected, right? So we've got drugs now as the end of the end point of the Iran Contra drugs flowing into the United States, those drugs coming from Central America, right? So that's going to be the Mexico. That's going to be the Colombia, primarily now uh, Mexico. And with that, you create a huge boom in in demand. And anytime there's a lot of demand, right, you're going to have a lot of suppliers fighting for that market share. And so this is where you enter our our present day Mexican cartels. So you have, of course, we, we all know about the Sinaloa cartel, El Chapo. I mean, my man was escaping from prison every other week, but it, you know, the head of that. Um, the Jalisco cartel which was like a split from the Sinaloa cartel, which is one of the five most dangerous factions in the world. How are you a cartel? And you are one of the five most dangerous groups in the world. Like you're probably up there with like, like, like the Taliban and shit. Like that is you, you wild, you wild. Um, the Los Zetas, which it, it, this is this is the crazy part about about the Zetas. I'm gonna just call them that. So the Zetas were uh, a part of another cartel. They were like the 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 enforcers. So it was just an elite group of of Mexican um, hitmen. They were former former military, got out of that, started doing jobs for this other cartel, the Gulf Cartel, which is like one of the oldest. And they got fed up, split off. And form their own cartel. But but these these dudes they weren't they weren't drug traffickers. They were hitmen. So <laughs> the shit they were doing was hitman shit. Sex trafficking, killing, extortion, kidnapping, murders, like they were doing that type of shit, which is wild. Which is wild. But anyway, so now, right, these are the top cartels that we have uh in Mexico. And now enter present day global travel, all of these people from all around the world. Now you don't have to necessarily export a lot of that shit to the United States, to Asia, to Europe. You can keep a lot of it there because these people are coming to you. Tulum is, is a party city known globally. Cancun is a party city known globally. People are coming there from everywhere. And when you have all of these people coming from from all these different places. There's going to be a fight to get the, the that's, those potential new customers. You got to market to those new customers. You got to get those customers because they're here for a short period of time. And and that's where you see a lot of the the turf wars now and in, in Mexico. Because these these tourist towns are. They're lucrative. Those that's the land of milk and honey. You got all these people coming there with with all this, you know, extra income that they're just looking to spend, have a good time. You need that. Because you're looking at these tourists as food. And you gotta eat. And it's as messed up as this, this business is business. Like they gotta, they're trying to secure the block. And they're trying to secure the block, enter the violence that we're, we're seeing now. And we talked about Acapulco. We don't want that to happen to Tulum. We don't want that to happen to Cancun, the Cabo. Not because we like to vacation there, which matters, right? We we all want somewhere to go that's nice, but the people, right? A lot of times in these in these shootouts, civilians can be hit in the crossfire. You don't need that. That's 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 just bad for business. That's bad for everybody. So with that, let's get into my conversation with Madeline uh, about some of the violence that's happening in Toronto. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am here with Madeline. Madeline, what's going on?
1: Uh, not much. How are you today?
0: Doing well. Now, can you tell the people just a bit about yourself and and how you you
1: found yourself in Tulum? Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, a lot of people who come down to Tulum kind of have a similar story where we sort of just ended up here. Some people took vacation and mm-hmm. you know just decided, oh my gosh, I love this place. It's beautiful. Let me stay um you know and it's it's amazing because you know it's the Caribbean right so my story was um a little bit different I was working as a photographer for a long time and I also worked in construction had a friend of mine who wanted to build a house here asked me to assist her on the project management of it um that project ended now the house is open it's beautiful and I just kind of decided that I would stay and so that's kind of how it started and then I've been doing photography down here ever since then.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So, I, you know, I was doing a bit of just perusing the gram as one does, right? And about, you know, a month ago, I started seeing that a couple of things were happening down in Loom related to violence, and it didn't really raise any eyebrows, right? Because in any large city, especially with tourists, right, mm-hmm. it, it, things will happen. Um, as unfortunate as that is, things will happen. But then you know, a couple of weeks ago, I started seeing more and more. And then last week, um, I saw there were some protests, the police killed a woman. There was um, a few things uh, I saw with articles related to a lot of cartel violence, and you basically went viral. Um, you had a Instagram story, and it picked up a lot of traffic, right? Because it seems like you were down there and the kind of the thick of it, in the protests and when a couple of things were going on. So i um, what is what is happening there because things that are reported in the news aren't always the facts of what's happening on the ground um so can you kind of set us straight
1: absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, after I made that post, um I had so many people reach out to me, I made sure that. I reached out to everyone um, and I make sure that even though I don't manage my social media myself, I keep an eye on my DMs and anybody who's asked me questions about, hey, I'm coming to Tulum right now because everybody's coming right now. Um, I, I don't have a problem with, with giving you, the, the, you know, the download like exactly like what we're dealing with at this moment. Um, so you have to look at it from a logistic perspective. At the end of the day, that's what you just have to do. Um, I lived, you know, right outside of Baltimore, I've lived, you know, in cities, you know, for a long time. And you have to think about it like this, like Tulum is actually a city. Um, we're a very small Pueblo that is consolidated with lots of different types of things. We have the dichotomy of the very, very poor, the very, very rich, like the filthy rich who come here from LA that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a trip. And then you have people who literally make maybe five US dollars a day. So that's the reality of it. Then on top of that, you know, you have obviously like the cartel, which in America, you hear people say, oh my gosh, cartel, I'm so terrified. The cartel is, you know, going to kill you. They're going to behead you. Now, granted, the cartel is organized crime, 100%, just like gang violence is, just like any other type of organized crime. Mafia, this is not something new. Um, So unfortunately, you know, yes, that is the reality. And yes, that is what exists. So just setting the, the foundation and the ground on that, keeping that in mind, you know that's the reality of what's happening. Um, take Tulum, so the entire you know world shut down you know for 2020, Tulum included. I was here during quarantine. Uh, we're an economy that's based solely on tourism. So is the cartel because they sell. Well, the cartel here they sell based on you know tourists coming, having something for the party, having something for you know to. You, you get what I'm saying. Right. And um, because there's been the inability to travel anywhere else, so many travelers have flocked here. So Tulum started really, really popping on Instagram. Like everybody was like, Oh my God, I want to go to Tulum. I want to go to Taboo. Like we had Chris Brown. We had, um, we had like stallion. She was here. Cardi B just took her entire like family down here. Literally everyone is coming down to Tulum right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what's bringing it. And it's not even it's every type of tourist. you know, people from all over, you know, people who want to come for the party, people who want to come for the, you know, the spirituality aspect, because we're a huge yoga community as well. Um, so all these different types of travelers. Um, now, take a step back, take that from a business perspective, say the cartel, you know, wasn't bad. And we'll, you know, just say that, you know, say there's they're the business, right? Mm-hmm. If you were in a business, And you had just suffered for the length of the pandemic without being able to sell anything. And then all of a sudden, all of this business is coming with all of these people who are wanting your drugs that you can pay X amount of money for, and that you can essentially, you know, charge as much money as you want. It is a hub for that. Right? So all these people, obviously, obviously they want to come here and they want to be able to take advantage of this territory. It's the reality. So over the past, um, month or so now it started in october there was a lot of heavy like we call it like um being in red almost and tulum isn't the only place in mexico that's like this sometimes acapulco is like this cabo is like this it's just the reality yeah acapulco it was gets like to- the
0: first tulum <laughs> like back in like mm-hmm. the 50s and stuff
1: yeah like john exactly. and
0: elizabeth taylor and all went the- down there the-
1: yes exactly exactly and so that's kind of you know what's going on here and it's like you know they want to they want to take over the business so what happens when someone wants to take over is they come into a war because there's a lot of different types of you know cartels i would say even something would be sort of like gang violence yeah. um so again gang violence and cartel violence are organized yeah at the end of the day they're not trying to kill you and your mom and your kids and your family unless it's like someone who you know, it was related to the situation in some mm-hmm. ways, you know? So the way I've been saying it is like this, um, understanding that foundation, understanding that how organized crime works and understanding that we are in a city where this kind of thing exists. People ask me, am I safe? Is the cartel going to come after you? Are you trying to sell drugs? Are you trying to do all these types of things? No. Are you trying to buy drugs? Probably. Maybe you shouldn't do that because if you're not, you know, Feeding this kind of machine, then they're not going to be as heavy here, you know. So, what happened last week? Um, it was really, really scary. It was. It was really, really scary. Um, we had unfortunately another event happen with police brutality that passed by. Um, it was a young woman. Her name was Victoria, and she had two children, and she was. Um, in an OXO, which is like our version of like a 7-Eleven, like a gas station. And she had a Gara phone of water, which is like a big five liter jug. She was kind of drunk, you know, and wasn't really doing much. She was just like swinging it around. Like you can see on the video, she's just kind of swinging it around, not really being harmful on anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, she freaked some people out and they called the police. The police then take her um, and try to arrest her and proceed to hold her down and um, break her neck.
0: Very similar to what happened with George Floyd, for those who have not seen the video. I haven't watched it. only saw pictures, and I don't intend on watching it, but very similar to what happened up in Minneapolis with George Floyd. And other exactly. police officers just stood there.
1: Yes, there were there were a total of I believe, uh, five police officers who were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very... And then so after that happened, Mexico was like feminine, feminicide, which is where... Um, It's basically like brutality specifically against women. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I don't, I I can't with my whole heart say that they killed her because she was a woman. Right. I think that they honestly killed her because they could, or because they got, they could get away with it. Yeah. Because that's not the first situation that I've seen here where the police have been overly, just overly, you know, brutal. And it's not even like, cause in the States, you know, a lot of times like you see, you don't see it as open because they know, they know that if they're caught, then it'll cause more problems here. They don't care. They'll beat people, they'll do things just like nothing. So getting back to the, to what happened after though, um, there was a protest mm-hmm. that happened. Um, literally, as soon as the news came out, whenever Victoria died, because I believe there were a few other young women who were also killed mm-hmm. within like a very short period of time, which is where I believe they came with the feminist thing. So anyway, there was a protest that happened. And when the protest happened, I myself was just in my home. I didn't go out. And then I, you know, traffic was blocked. Um, and then I saw that th- that was on the news, um, our news, Nochi Tulum said that there was going to be another one the next day. Um, I made a uh, I made it apparent that I was going to be there as a tourist, um, which, you know, I go back and forth. So I'm getting my immigration, but technically I'm not a legal, like I'm, I am here, but I am a temporary resident and then I'm working on my permanent residency. So until I have my hundred percent permanent residency, and once all of my process is completed, then I can legally protest. <laughs> but until that's done, I can't. That's so interesting. You I can't
0: legally protest until you're a citizen. That is correct. interesting.
1: Correct. Um, they can detain you and they can deport you. So mm-hmm. knowing that, I um, I went to the protest with my camera and just documented it. Okay, it was it was a beautiful and very peaceful protest. Um, and then after that ended, I was in a restaurant that's like right on the center of the Tulean Pueblo, mm-hmm. and I um, now mind you, there were no police out. Because all of this had just happened. They have the ACAB stuff. Like people are being like, Oh my gosh, I cannot stand like police. And so the police weren't out. There was right. no one.
0: And one thing now, before you before you go in there that I, I want to to say is, you know, one of the things that is interesting about a place like that is it's grown exponentially, right? Over the past like 10 years. And you say the police weren't out, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but they, I read there like two hundred police officers for eighty thousand um, residents. So that ratio is almost unsustainable, right? When you talk about mm-hmm. being able to um, police effectively um, in a terror zone like that. So just to to set some context there, but please continue.
1: That is that is that is actually very very true, and um, you know our infrastructure and everything, even our plumbing. We had a little bit of connectivity issues before yeah. we started this call our infrastructure was not prepared for how big and how fast Tulum was growing. Mm-hmm. So that's a hundred percent correct. You know, there's not a lot of there, there's the ratio is off, um, which is why we also have the national guard and the Marines who come and they work here a lot during high season. And you'll okay, see them going up and down. Mm-hmm. We do. And you know, they, they have their guns, that are on the back of their trucks and really like, that that they they more or less just drive around and you know patrol situations. So that day um, of the protest, the police were not out, and I went to um, edit photos at this restaurant. And there's something something special about Tulum in the sense that you can kind of feel the overall like melancholic atmosphere feeling Mm. whatever like when tulum feels something like you feel it and it's heavy right and it's like you don't even have to say anything to anybody you just know something's not cool right now um so i'm sitting there in editing photos and it gets to be a little bit late i'm with my my good friend of mine she's a she's a copywriter and she also took photos as well we're sitting there um editing and everything and she says i've got to go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. now What we've been doing was, um, we've been sitting there editing and the night before the police had actually, um, it was, no, it was the cartel because the cartel realized all this stuff was going on. They had um, a shooting the night before where there were four people who were killed. Um, One of them was a young man that just sold jewelry on the street who no one had any reason to believe was any way associated with the cartel. I think maybe it was a Wrong place, wrong time, yeah. Wrong place, wrong time, exactly. So they had a memorial of him. And so my friend and I were sitting there and I took photos of it as well, just of of this guy, um, this gentleman. And, um, you know, that's what we were doing. So my friend says, "Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom. Um, Maybe 15 seconds later, I hear bam, 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 bam. And coming from my background, you know, being from, you know, Virginia, the country, I know guns very well. And I'm like, those are gunshots. (laughs) And so I grab my bag, I grab my camera, everything, and I duck inside, I hide under the table. I'm hiding literally under this. um, It's a, it's a little beetle that's inside of, uh, it's a beetle, like a punch bug beetle that's Mm -hmm. inside of the restaurant where they make mojitos. I'm hiding under that. I take my my laptop and stuff, and I kind of shove it underneath because I'm like, if somebody tries to come in and rob us, I'm gonna hide, you know, my most valuable belongings. Right. So I um I'm under I'm under the table there, and I'm um, I'm scared I'm scared. Um, my friend Sasha, she's gone to the bathroom. I don't know where she is, so we're separated. Um, I'm good friends with some of the bartenders that were there, so they are also like they were all like holding on to each other, and. And you know what, like the thing that was going through my mind in that time, and this is something that I have to literally say and just be 100% transparent is I know I'm going to go home safe tonight mm-hmm. because if I was in the US, this dude would have come in here like he did at church, like he like people did in the, the movie theaters, like they do in the schools and all of that jazz would have come in and massacred all of us. I was like, but I knew that that was cartel related and so I knew that they weren't coming in for us. They were going to yeah. take care of their business and they were going to go out. Now, does that mean that this is a safe area? No, I really don't want to go on vacation and witness something like that happening.
0: Chances are I you just don't. Might.
1: Yeah. I just I just don't think that that's the best way to spend your vacation. Did no. I feel that my life was at that time was like threatened that they were going to come after me with a gun to my head. No. Was I scared? And this is what the reality is of happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was scared because that kind of event is going to terrify you. Um, And so unfortunately that's what happened. But, you know, I keep telling people now, you know, they're asking, they're like, hey, um, you know, I'm coming to Tulum next week to celebrate my birthday or I'm coming in May. Is it safe? Can I come here? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right now, what we're dealing with this week and last week are the cartel essentially trying to take over their territory because another part, Of the problem that we have in Saloon is the music festivals and the electronic festivals that people come who are usually like the Burning Man people who all come from LA. They do Burning Man, Ibiza, Mykonos. They Mm -hmm. have an exorbitant amount of money and they do an exorbitant amount of drugs. I've heard stories of people spending thirty thousand dollars on cocaine. I've heard stories of you know things that happen here because of these festivals. So the cartel thirty thousand on some
0: cocaine. I'm gonna resell it. I'm not.
1: That so like, I'm to- <laughs> they're just gonna do it you know. Mm-mm. So you know the thing is though is like they're doing all of this because the the festivals literally started what's today Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. The festival started the festival started this this weekend. Oh, wow. And so since the festival started, um, unfortunately like it puts us in a position where everyone's essentially trying to uh, take as much advantage as they possibly can and get their territory locked down so that they can make that money you know like what it's i'm saying
0: business it's market share right I, absolutely
1: so they're trying to take share. that market share exactly exactly so like i said again when we say like cartel when we say things like that you almost need to think about it in the sense of like is the mafia going to mess with you? Is you know, are certain gangs going to mess with you? No, they're not, but they are going to work like a business, just like anywhere else. And Tulum, being the situation that it's in, with you know, people coming here, buying all this, you know, drugs and things like that, with these parties, and everyone's coming from all over the world because everybody's been closing their house for all the year. Mm-hmm. That's what the reality is of it. So, some tips that I would tell people if you are coming to Tulum, and we'll get to that, is. After this, by the way, after this festival is over, I highly I highly doubt we'll have as much activity as we're having right now. This festival, I believe is a really big reason for that. And the locals here and most of the people who come here that aren't in attendance to this festival, they, they, they don't like this festival existing here
0: mm-hmm.
1: because of it. I mean, it's ketamine, it's like manufactured drugs. It's stuff that you don't want to mess with. We, okay, smoke that all day. But when you start messing with like manufactured stuff, that's like
0: yeah, that can, no. get, that can get tricky, yeah,
1: and dangerous. So, point being, um, if you're coming to Tulum and you're you know coming for vacation, you're like, is it safe? Is it not? Is it safe? Is it not? Listen, I was in the center of the town, and in the center of the town is where there's a lot of activity because I live. You know, I live in the center. I go to the cafe there all the time. That's exactly what I was doing. Most of the people, when you come to Tulum, you stay on the beach or you'll stay in certain areas in an Airbnb that Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have any affiliation with that particular area. So my biggest advice, and like I said, anyone who wants to reach out to me, I'm sure you can pass my IG. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to give you like a rundown of just a list of where to stay versus where not to stay. And if you're staying on the hotel side, you're going to be fine. Um, if you're staying in Aldezama as well, which is where I just moved from yesterday, you're gonna be fine. Or Lavaletta, where I moved to today, it's more developed areas, and they're they're more developed in the sense that they have usually 24-hour security. They have things to make sure that you're safe. When you come, make sure you have your own driver. You know, have your taxi number. Ask me; I've got plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, have you know? Have like a little bit of a. Let me make sure that I'm good, guide. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so. That's, that's my best advice. And don't don't live in fear. Don't be scared. Because remember, like, most of the people who come here like, yeah, Mexico sometimes is their first um, is their first uh, country that they're traveling to. Mm -hmm. But no matter where you go, no matter what you do, there's going to be situations and there's also going to be situations worse than this. Okay, so it's very Paris, for example, had something happen, you know, literally all over the world, you're going to experience these things. So if you're traveling outside of your your state, your town, your country, whatever, have, have like the ability to be prepared beforehand, to make sure that you know where you're going, you know what you're doing, you don't come down here and get super, super messed up and just think that, like, people aren't, you know, people are all just going to take care of you, you know, make sure that you can take care of yourself. Been for yourself, always, and so make sure, like, a make sure you're good, guy <laughs> like that, absolutely.
0: absolutely. You know, but yeah, um, Madeline, I certainly appreciate you giving us those tips and letting us know what exactly um, was happening, um, down in Tulum. And you know, folks obviously have to do their own research, but it's always good to talk to somebody who is, you know, living in the situation, and like you gave those tips, right? Hotel zones, some other areas that are safe, and exactly what's going on, because for people. You know, they hear Mexico, and, you know, sometimes with the cartels, they've been kind of uh, sensationalized in certain aspects, and you think, oh, this is gonna happen. This is not gonna happen. So I appreciate you setting us straight on that. Um, I definitely am going to link your socials because you are one thing we didn't, you know, get to get to. You are a gifted photographer. I've seen the IG, you have really good pictures. So, folks, if you're going down to Tulum for vacation and you wanna get the flicks off, this is gonna be the woman you need to email and get in contact with.
1: Thank you, thank no you. Problem. I absolutely love what I do. I love what I do, it's so fun right. because this place is really beautiful. So it is. I definitely advise you to come, just give it a, give it about a week or so and things will calm down, <laughs> but it is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. And it is so much fun once you're here. There's a reason why I didn't leave. There's a reason why I've been here for three years. So just, just keep that in mind, but thank you guys so, so much, I appreciate it. No Oh
0: wish, on me